Welcome everyone to this next edition of Doc Tales. We're happy to have you with us. I'm Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today I am really excited to, most of you probably know the creatures, but to introduce some of you to the creatures and to reintroduce others of you to the creatures. So with me today are Kay and Robert Creech. You see them there on your screen. Kay and Robert are gold loopers. They are advisory council members for AGLCA. They are frequent speakers at our events, and they are also our current Harbor hosts of the year, and they are the first to be the two-time winners of the True North Harbor Host of the Year Award. So they won, I want to say the first time was 2012, 2012, um, yes. and then again for um, service in 2019. We're actually in the process <laughs> right now of... Uh, voting for their successors for Harbor Host of the Year for service in 2020. So, Robert and Kate Creech, thank you for joining me on Doc Tales. I appreciate it. Hello, Kim. Hello to all the loopers out there. Thank you for the wonderful introduction, Kim. And, you know, Kim did say this is Doc Tales. So, I hope all of you <laughs> have your favorite. There, there's your wine glass, Kim. Right. Mm -hmm. And welcome to our home. Well, and thank you. And Robert and Kay are, are pretty famous for hosting Docktails on their porch. If you're coming through their home port, which is Southport, <laughs> North Carolina. <laughs> Robert's also pretty well known for mentioning that a few times during his presentations. Um, but yes, they are the harbor hosts in Southport, North Carolina. And um, let's talk, you know, these sessions are designed for some of our gold loopers to just share the stories of their great loop adventures because i think more than anything a lot of the planners just want to know what it's really like to be on the loop so let's start a little bit about you know tell us when you did the loop um and what made you decide at that time the loop was something for you well i'm gonna, I'm gonna make a long story out of that kim <laughs> and you cut me off anytime you'd like to but, uh, well, uh, I will definitely do that, but I, I don't think it's going to be necessary. <laughs> uh, Kay and I married in 1968. 1972 was a big year for us. Uh, we moved to Southport. We had our first child and we bought our first boat. So we had a little runabout in 1972 and fast forward 35 or so years later, we had worked our way all the way up to a 24-foot boat. And friends invited us to cruise with them in 2000. And but Kay and I were still working at that time. So we spent a little time with a couple on their 41-foot trawler. And we got hooked on cruising. So Kay retired in 04, I retired in 05, and we bought our boat, our cruising boat, Sea Life, in 06. Our friends that we had cruised with had been to the Miami Boat Show, and they met Robin Evastab and brought back to us information on the Great Loop. So in 06, we bought our boat. We knew enough about the loop to shop for a boat that could do the loop, but we were really looking for a cruising boat for us. We kicked the tires on the boat in Florida, brought it home, joined the AGLCA in 07. Uh, 
attended the rendezvous in spring of 08, which was in Charleston. It was over across the river. Yep, over at Patriots Point. I think that was one of my very first rendezvous. (laughs) Yeah, it was. And in May of 08, we left on the loop. We had uh, seven grandchildren at home. The youngest was two months old. We had none born while we were on the loop, and we now have 12. (laughs) So uh, we just got excited about cruising, and cruising in a boat like we cruise on the East Coast with made it perfect for doing the loop on. Mm -hmm. Uh, Go ahead, Kim. Go ahead and tell us about your boat. Okay. Uh, Give me a little screenshot of the intro slide. I can absolutely do that. As we cruised with the couple for several years while we were still working, we realized what we wanted was a boat with two cabins, two bathrooms, specifically wanted a sun deck, and that is truly where we spend 95% of our time. a flybridge fully enclosed. This boat, that is our boat on the intro slide. We're entering the Trent Severn Waterway in 08. We still have that boat. We've put about 30,000 miles on that boat so far. It is a 1990 Jefferson. It was 16 years old when we bought it. Kay specifically said she wanted a dinette down and a galley dam, a sun deck, and a flybridge. The rest of it is just wrapped around the boat. Uh, There's a forward cabin for guests with a full bed and a full bath, and we have a center queen in the back below the sun deck, and it has been the perfect boat for us. It's now over 30 years old. Somebody's probably going to ask me. It's got twin Cummins, uh, 6B engines, they're 300 horsepower each, 6 BTAs. We burn about four gallons of fuel per hour at eight miles per hour, and that is our target speed to travel at eight miles an hour. Gives us a 40 to 45, maybe 50-mile day comfortably, but uh, that's our boat. And she is beautiful, and I've had the pleasure of actually exploring her at a few rendezvous. Um, and, and like I said, she is a beauty. Um, are we done sharing this for the moment, Robert and Kay? Well, I, let me, I'll go ahead and point out the slide at the bottom. Uh, yeah, this one that, here. Mm-hmm. That was a picture taken on the Great Loop, and that is in Chicago. And those are all loopers. We traveled with on and off during several parts of our loop with those people. We still today stay in touch, visit, and travel with those people. And those are people we didn't know before we started the loop. We met them along the loop. We actually met two of them at the rendezvous in Charleston uh, that spring of 08. And the rest we met along the way and were comfortable traveling for days, weeks, and months at a time with them. So, uh, and we still travel and visit and stay in touch with those people on the loop. And of course, the the other, that's our boat name on the back of our boat in the upper left. That is Sea Life, sits here in front of our house. 
and that's the day we completed uh, the loop. Now, someone's going to say maybe a question, maybe you would, Kim, of what some of our biggest challenges on the loop. And I'm going to just say while we're looking at that picture, we stayed on the boat for three weeks after we got home sitting in front of the house because we didn't want it to end. We did. So that was a big challenge was getting off the boat when we got back. And I love that story that you tell because um, it, it really does say a whole lot about the, the change going from being on the loop and doing that full time and arriving back home. And um, I'm assuming the grandkids came and visited you on the boat during that time when you were still avoiding going inside. Yeah, we met we uh, they met us at the dock coming in that day. Actually, our middle son and his family traveled with us from Georgetown to Southport the last three days of the loop. So, uh mm-hmm. Yeah, we had lots of neighbors and family come down, but we stayed on the boat. Well, and I hear from a lot of loopers that there's kind of this post-loop letdown. And since you have a dock right outside your house, you were able to kind of prolong that transition, so to speak. We Um, did. But, you know, tell us about some of those friends that we see in the picture. And, uh, you know, this post-loop letdown, it's, it's a real thing. How do people tend to deal with that? Uh, We still stay in touch and travel with those people. Uh, The one in the middle eating the ice cream cone, that's Lewis. Lewis and Diane, great friends of ours. Uh, We still boat together. They are at Legacy. Kay and I decided not to go to Florida this year because of COVID. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lewis and Diane did. Uh, Larry and Margie in the picture, they're down in Marathon now. Mm-hmm. Bud and Muriel don't boat anymore. They, they've they gone to a uh, motor coach uh, camper. But those are people in the picture that we still stay in touch with and we still boat with and visit and have, have a lot of fun. They're our extended family. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I want to stay on that topic for just a second, um, if you don't mind, um, because a lot of people ask us questions and we see lots of posts um, about people who are looking for buddy boats. And for those who have been involved with AGLCA for a long time, and for you two who looped in 08, when social media wasn't quite what it is today, <laughs> um, you know, I, I think, how did you go about meeting those buddy boats? You know, you traveled with them on and off, but it was a much more, it seems like much more of kind of an organic thing to run across them. It um, is organic. Buddy boat, yeah, buddy boats have to develop. You can't plan that in advance. Okay. Uh, the first we met were Larry and Margie, and they were on a 55-foot Hampton, really nice boat. And we were traveling at about nine and a half miles an hour. Now, I'll say on the East Coast, you don't meet as many of those boaters as you leave Florida and you're headed up the East Coast because you get very spread out on the East Coast. You start getting funneled back in in New York when you get to the Hudson River and Great Kill Yacht Club across the river. I was going to mention uh, John and Julie at the Great Kill Yacht Club. You know a lot about New York, but you don't know the Great Kill Yacht Club until you get on the loop. So uh, some of our harbor hosts uh, up in New York are John and Julie. So, But the buddy boats have to develop. You, 
as my our friend Eddie says, you got the go back, the go fast looper, and the laid back looper, and they can't be buddy boats. See, that that just doesn't work. So you find a boat that travels at the same speed. You find a female on the boat that gets along really good with your wife mm-hmm. and a male on the boat that you get along really good with. And then when you get to the dock in the afternoon at one or two o'clock, the ladies can spend time in the shops and shopping and looking and the guys can go do the guy things, go to the mm-hmm. hardware store, whatever. But that has to yeah, evolve as you're traveling and you meet people that you are real good friends with, maybe at the dinner table, but then you have to decide, are your boats compatible to travel with? Is your schedule about the same? Now, there are some loopers that do the loop in multiple years. Kay and I set out to do it in one year. So a buddy boat that's going to stay in the Chesapeake all year doesn't work for one that's compl- going to complete the loop in one year. So, yeah, right. buddy boats have to develop. Yeah, and I think maybe that's why we're seeing more posts than we're used to about people kind of trying to figure out where is everybody. And I think part of that has to do with 2020, 2020 just being such an unusual cruising year. Um, you know, folks on the loop were not at all where they typically would be. And that has, of course, to do with COVID, um, has a lot to do with you know, the Erie Canal opened so late that lots of people turned around. It was just an unusual year. So, and I did hear from some loopers kind of, um, I guess, late spring last year as everything was more or less closed down and we didn't know what the New York State Canals were doing. And they kind of said, where is everyone? This is not the experience we've heard about. And and we can just basically attribute that all to COVID. So those of you who have been out there and feeling like you're a little bit out there alone, I think that's about to change. Um, and, and why don't actually, Robert, if you would, because we also get a lot of questions recently about um, kind of that traditional looper time frame to be going around. And since you did it continuously in a year, you kind of did it on that traditional pattern. But we're seeing more and more where people are kind of on their own pattern. And I hate to use the word schedule, but they're on their own schedule. So we're getting lots of questions about, you know, what time, when do you leave Florida, that kind of thing. And I think that traditional seasonal plan um, is a little bit different than it used to be. So for those who maybe are still, you know, don't realize that and are asking those questions about when do I leave Florida? Tell us about, you know, some of the benchmarks where you were in the seasons on your great loop. We, we did, we established big benchmarks. Kay and I did not have a daily schedule whatsoever. We would get in the up in the morning, not only not knowing where we were going that afternoon, that day, but even if we were going anywhere that day. So we'd make our decision in the morning and halfway through the day, we'd decide where we're going to stop. Now that doesn't work for New York or Chicago, but most of the places it does. But no, traditionally, as you show on your slide at the rendezvous, it's spring on the East Coast, summer in Canada, fall on the rivers and winter in Florida. And don't tie yourself any tighter than that. That's really the way to relax and do the loop is lay it out seasonally, whether it's one year or eight years. And the natural tendency is to think I've got to leave now so I get there in time. And you always end up getting there early. Uh, (laughs) The year, Kate, and I saw your survey 
uh, somebody was posting a survey of when loopers were going to be leaving Florida. And the majority of them, the last time I saw it, was showing up in early April. That's not bad. That's a pretty good time. If you're leaving in early March, you're ahead of the curve, unless you're going to drag your feet really deep in the dirt. The year Kay and I left on the loop, we had we left here May 14th. Now, we attended the rendezvous in Charleston. Gee, had to be April, I think. That would Came be about home. right. Yeah, I think it was. Came home, got the boat ready. We left here May 14th. We wanted to be somewhere close to New York in June. We wanted to cross into Canada in early July. Mm-hmm. We wanted to come out of Canada in late August. And we wanted to be down to Chicago by mid to late September. Now, that's being on the lake in September, but that worked great for us. But then when you get to Chicago, you're worried about in a normal year, you're wanting to get the Joe Wheeler in October. You've really got to drag your feet to keep from getting there early. So, and then we wanted to be to the Gulf by around December 1st, down in the Keys for uh, February, March, and then back home. So that was about as rigid as our schedule was, very flexible. And you, on the loop, you've got to be flexible. Part of part of my notes I made uh, trying to, I guess, convince myself, but verbalizing it to Kay before we left on the loop. She was the reluctant spouse in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, we had voted before and I said, OK, uh, we're planning to be gone a year and it's three hundred and sixty five days. So we're going to throw out 65 for weather right up front, which he felt real good about throwing out 65 non-travel days. I made the math easy for me. That left 300 days. And I said, honey, it's 6,000 miles in 300 days. You realize that's only 20 miles a day? She said, wow. I said, well, if we do 40, we can stay somewhere every other day. That's just about what we did is our trip was a year long and our travel days were 154 travel days. So over 200 travel days, we didn't travel. We stayed in New York. We stayed in Chicago. We stayed at some real unknown places that you've never heard of. But I made Kay two promises to help convince her to go with me. And I said, number one, we will never travel at night. And we did not. We did not travel at night. Of course, we did the big bend to do that because, again, eight miles an hour, we didn't do the Gulf crossing. And I do want to talk about the big bend, so make sure I come back to that. I'm going to make a note. (laughs) Okay. And number two, she can come home anytime she wants to. You know, you're not in a third world. You're close enough everywhere you dock most of the time to rent a car and come home from where you are. So those were the two promises. And and I kept those two promises. He did. I did. And she traveled with me. So and, uh, I came home only those five times. I didn't ask to come home anymore because I didn't want to come home. At that time. <laughs> I was just enjoying the adventure. 
Yeah. And I should have mentioned actually during the intro because Kay and Robert do so much for the organization and I missed one of the things. Um, Kay is actually one of our reluctant spouse ambassadors. So if you are a reluctant spouse or partner, um, her information is on the website and she has basically volunteered and said, if you're reluctant and you want somebody to, to talk it over with, I'm here. So thank you, thank Kay, you. for doing that because I know there are a lot of reluctant partners. She also makes our travel uh, advisor mm -hmm. for the rendezvous. So, uh, Anyhow, she does a lot for us. Yeah. So a couple of comments coming in from the people that are watching. Um, uh, June is apparently a mutual friend of Diane and Lewis that you mentioned. Uh, they're, she's neighbors with them there in Fort Myers. So hi, June. Good to see you. We are and, normally neighbors of theirs there on Dock. also. We miss being there greatly. Yep. And Phil Barbalace is enjoying your stories. So thank you, Phil, for, for joining us. We appreciate you being here. And we've got a hello to the creatures and to me. From hey, Liz. Bob and Liz. Hey, yeah. Bob and Liz. Yep. We hope Bob and Liz are doing well. And hopefully we'll see them at Joe Wheeler State Park in uh, fall. That's where our fall rendezvous typically is happening. So, hey, Liz, it's good to see you there. Um, and then we've got this comment um, from some loopers who uh, did spend some time on your back porch there. Um, Joyce and Dave did the loop in 27, 2017 and 18. And, uh, Hi, Joyce and Dave. From Fishy Fish. So good to see you, you, Joyce and Dave. Thanks for being here. So great to see some old friends in this format. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about some of your loop experiences and then, you know, kind of move on to some of your general cruising. Um, we did get a question um, specifically uh, wanting to know about Lake Michigan, um, particularly good and bad weather. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your time on Lake Michigan? Which side of the lake did you take? Um, and any tips for looking out for weather there? We were very lucky. We had great weather on Lake Michigan, which makes the trip better. Uh, we were coming down Lake Michigan in early to mid-September. We did the eastern shore of Lake Michigan, so we did the Michigan side. They Michigan truly has the best marina reservation system of any area we've ever traveled. Uh, it's an online system. It is forgiving if you make a reservation and don't show up the day you made the reservation. And they have harbors of safe refuge no more than every 25 or 30 miles coming down the lake. The key to it is to look at the weather. Uh, well, another thing about our boat, we don't have satellite TV we have a digital antenna TV up top. And everywhere on the loop, barring maybe three or four nights, we could get a good digital station. Well, the people who had satellite TV ended up on my sun deck in the morning looking at the local weather. But with the weather sources that are available on your cell phone now and a local TV station, there, you know, if you go out there, weather is very predictable. And Kay has learned to check the weather apps on our computer and her phone very well. And I've let her call the departure days or the stay in dock days. And that's the key to it. Don't travel on a day that's predicted to be iffy. Iffy could go bad. Make sure it's a predicted good weather day and stay in and enjoy the location you're at. Uh, 
Grand Harbor, Michigan, we stayed there a week. Boy, we had a blast. Part of it was weather. Part of it was because we were having a good time and other loopers were there. But stay and enjoy the location you're at. Uh, I'm probably going to deviate a little bit here uh, on us, Kim, but as you travel on the loop and you're planning the loop, you know the locations like maybe for us as we're leaving, Baltimore, Maryland, New York, Chicago, uh, certainly down in Florida, Miami and Fort Lauderdale, but it's all those places you've never been before. And plan on staying two or three days at those places that you've never been before. And it's going to be the experiences that you bring home the memories from are those places you've never been. I mean, if you go to Hoppy's and go to the Blue Owl restaurant, or you go to Bobby's Fish Camp, which you've never been to before unless you've boated, or you go to Green Turtle Bay. Kay and I had our 40th anniversary at Green Turtle Bay. Now, that was over 10 years ago now. Give you, a story, give you a story on that. I'm departing from your story here, Kim. You can tell whatever story you'd like. It's your docktails. <laughs> we, were, we were in Chicago, and we were at the Sable Disable Yacht Club. Had a great time. Stayed there four or five days. Met a lot of friends there on the dock doing docktails. We had one couple down the dock who had three. They were locals. They had three boys on their boat, and he came down to our boat one morning. He needed sugar. He had ran out of sugar for his coffee. So kind of made friends with them just there on the dock at Chicago. Probably two or three weeks later, we were at Green Turtle Bay, and... It happened to be our our 40th anniversary, and we were going, I can't remember the name of the restaurant. They have the real thick pork chop. Somebody have popped that up for me, probably. Patties. Probably Patties. 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 Mm-hmm. So we went to Patties that evening for our anniversary dinner. And unbeknownst to us, Patties, at least in 08, did not serve alcohol. So we ordered our tea dinner because we couldn't get wine and the table next to us heard of our dilemma and the gentleman went home he had just bought a condo there got a bottle of wine and brought it back to us for dinner now they you could bring your own wine in but they didn't sell wine well it was the guy from chicago who had borrowed the sugar from us two weeks earlier so stories like that are lifelong stories. You can't you can't make that up. You can't buy it. It's it's what the loop's about. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. And we hear that from so many. And, and kind of more examples of that. Uh, we're hearing from another of your Fort Myers dock neighbors that are missing you uh, from Carousel. They're in Fort Miss Myers. You guys. <laughs> and then we've got Karen, who's uh, appreciating learning from those who have gone before her. So thank you for sharing all of this, Robert and Kay. So I do want to talk about the Big Bend because the golf crossing seems to get a lot of attention. Um, and those, as, as Eddie Johnson would say, those who are in go fast boats can do that as a daylight only crossing. But those who are in laid back looper boats like Sea Life, uh, it would be an overnight crossing to go the 170 or so statute mm-hmm. miles from Apalachicola over to Tarpon Springs. Um, and there's lots of reasons each boat makes a choice over which way to do that. But I think the one that gets less attention most of the time is 
the Big Bend route. And we see questions of people saying, you know, why don't more people do that? Um, so why don't you, if you would, Robert and Kay, kind of talk about the stops along the Big Bend. Um, we know you chose that because you promised Kay no cruising at night. Um, but any other reasons that the Big Bend was more attractive to you than this directly across? Well, number one, we were not going to travel at night, so we were not going to do the overnight crossing. The only the only disadvantage of the Big Bend route is it takes three good weather days instead of a day and a half good weather day. If you leave Carabell and you go straight across to Tarpon Springs, you've got a day and a half that you need good weather. But you're in the pitch dark out there at night, and she nor I were comfortable with that. So that was out of the question. So we needed three good weather days. When we did the loop, there wasn't uh, Eddie, the weather guy. Uh, there wasn't Tom Conrad. So we didn't have as much weather information back in 08, 09 as currently exists. But there was this fellow named Buddy at Carabelle. And everybody bragged on Buddy predicting the weather from Carabelle for either the overnight crossing or the big bend. And uh, we had traveled from Apalachicola to Carabelle. And by the way, we had, I told you we wanted an extra room so people could travel with us. We had friends or family with us 12 weeks of the loop while we were traveling. And I actually had a friend from Southport uh, who joined us and was traveling the Big Bend route with us. He was on my front porch this morning, and we were talking about the Big Bend travel. Mm-hmm. So we pulled up at Carabelle that afternoon coming from Apalachicola, and Buddy said, I'd really love for you to stay with us a week. And if you don't leave tomorrow, you will stay with <laughs> us for a week. Mm-hmm. So we took his advice, and early the next morning, we left Carabelle, and it was kind of foggy that morning. It delayed our departure about an hour, and we went to Steenhatchie. Steenhatchie is a great little town. That's quite a ways off the Gulf, so it's going to be a 70 or so mile day from Carabelle to Steenhatchie, but it's doable at eight miles an hour in daylight hour. So we stayed one night. That's really all Steen Hatchie's probably worth is one night. But we had a great time. The next day, we traveled from Steen Hatchie to Crystal River, again, close to a 70-mile day, and then from Crystal River down to Tarpon Springs, and we're back in protected water at Tarpon Springs. It was great. Those two towns were wonderful to visit for short visits. They're small towns quite a ways off the Gulf, they had, from their entrance channel marker into their town could be 12 to 15 miles. So take you a couple hours after you get to their entrance channel, but absolutely wonderful, good memories of ours, and don't rule it out. Now, it takes three days. You're, you're adding two days to your trip, but are you in a hurry at this point in time? Don't be in a hurry. Uh, be a laid-back looper as Eddie would say. (laughs) And that is certainly, you know, one of the options there on crossing the Gulf. And for many, that makes them a little bit more comfortable about, um, you know, the undertaking of the Gulf crossing. The other thing I wanted to talk about um, related specifically to your trip, 
you mentioned leaving the grandkids who had been born by that time at home. Um, and of course your, your sons. Um, and I don't remember if it was Robert or Kay, but uh, one of you told a story at one of our rendezvous about how, um, how the family reacted to you being gone and you as the matriarch and patriarch um, were, they were kind of used to relying on you. So how did it work out for you to leave those boys and all those grandkids without you for the year? Well, for those watching, uh, we live in Southport. We have three sons. They were all born in Southport. The first one in 72 when we moved here. They all three finished high school, went off to college, went to careers, two to the military. They all three came back. Uh, they still today, all three live within 15 miles of us. I love that. They do <laughs> depend on us a lot. Matter of fact, we had grand, grand, three-year-old grandson over here today because dad and mom had busy work to do. Uh, those boys depend on us a lot, and we love it. But they don't necessarily get along together that well. Uh they're three brothers, so there's always been, from childhood on, some friction there. And there's the middle child syndrome. Uh, as I was a middle child, we have a middle son, and truly, truly, the middle child syndrome, they absolutely got along the best when the year we were gone. Uh, they had to depend on each other. Uh, it didn't have mom and dad to run to every time something came up and they needed help. So truly, truly, I say the best year that those three boys have got the longest the year we were gone. Yeah. But, and I love to hear that because I think that gives some, um, some peace of mind to those wannabe loopers who are kind of in that situation and know that their kids rely on them quite a bit. And most of us enjoy having children who rely on us a, a bit. Um, so it's good to hear that, you know, your children kind of grew from the experience as well and learned to rely on each other. So I love that. And Kay, I'm sure, you know, part of the Robert's promise that you could go home whenever you wanted to, I'm sure had a lot to do with visiting those grandkids. So for some others in that situation, you know, how did you find it? Did Were you homesick for them? Were they missing you? What did you do to combat that? Well, I, to start with, I was very concerned the fact that I was not going to manage not seeing them. But, you know, back then we had Skype. So today now it's Facebook and you just click a button and within <laughs> seconds you get a chance to see your family. So a little bit different. It took time to set up our Skype uh, tablet and so forth. Uh, my daughter-in-law did that for us before we left. Um, it didn't take me long not to say <laughs> I'm busy. I've got something to do. I'll talk to you at a, a different time. But uh, yeah, uh, doesn't take long to find something else to uh, enjoy your time. And uh, that means that I didn't miss them. I, but I, I did write letters. We did send some letters back to them, postcards for the grandkids to share at school with their uh, classmates. She got over that very quickly when we left. Uh, and we came home five times on the loop and neither of those five times were because of children or grandchildren needs or homesickness. Uh, it was weather related, uh, invariably in a year's time, there'll be a funeral that you'd like to attend. 
So there may be Christmas that you want to go home and spend Christmas with the family. And we did. We left our boat in Panama City, went home and enjoyed Christmas, went back to Panama City and continued the trip. So uh, she got over that really I was surprised. I mean, she is a grandmother and mother with very short apron strings. And uh, I think by the time we left and got around the curve, headed north, uh, she was okay with traveling. Mm -hmm. Well, that that is good to hear. And again, that's something I think that gives peace of mind to others in that scenario and contemplating, you know, how am I going to do this without having that contact? And of course, as you said, Skype makes it easy and it's even easier with, with FaceTime or Facebook and all the different ways to communicate now. So um, we got a, a little shout out from, uh, you, I think both of you have met Sue Casa because she has spoken at our rendezvous as well. She's covered the Bahamas for us, um, Sue and Greg. So they send a shout out to you and say hello and thanks for all you do for the Lupin community. And it's certainly substantial. Um, so tell us a couple of your, and I, I'm asking a couple of your favorite stops on the Great Loop. And I know that's a hard question because it's a stop, it's a 6,000 miles of great things, but any particular highlights you can point to? Uh, yeah, I, I'll say yes, but I'm shaking my head no. Uh, immediately when we got back, people were asking, what was your favorite place on the loop? And I would say there wasn't a favorite place. It was absolutely the people along the way. And that's the boaters we boated with and the people we met along the way, uh, John and Julie in New York. Uh, you know, I'm a Southern boy, and I think I know what Southern hospitality is. I don't know why I was so surprised, but I really was. Uh, Canadians know Southern hospitality as well as we do. Uh, you know, I, I know with COVID and, and the border closing right now, you, you're not able to get that opportunity. I hope it will come soon. But the Trent Severn Waterway and the travel through Canada and the people we met there, and and it's the same way. I mean, it was that way at Hoppies. It was that way at Bobby's Fish Camp. Uh, everywhere you go, it's the people you met. But if Kay and I had a trailerable trawler, or if Scotty could beam us to where we wanted to be. Kay has frequently said she would like to go back to the Hudson River. Now, we had never traveled in hilly country because the East Coast is flatland. But to see those hills going up through the Catskill Mountains, going up the Hudson and the steep banks was intriguing to Kay. I would go back to the Tennessee River if if oh, that was beautiful too. If yeah. I had a a chance to boat when we were traveling down from Chicago, we realized we were going to get to Joe Wheeler a little too early, so we rented a slip for a month at Joe Wheeler, mm-hmm. and uh, we got there a week early. We socialized with a lot of other loopers coming in. After the rendezvous was over, a group of about six of us went up to Chattanooga. That's a side trip for you who haven't studied the loop. And uh, that was spectacular going up. And and you're in October, late October. It's the best time of the year for the color change. Uh Uh, 
It was like riding through a rainbow. It, it really was. Beautiful uh, colors of fall leaves and all on the trees. So I guess I've given you two of our favorite places, even though I say I'd not want to say what they are. But uh, that trip up up the uh, Tennessee River to Chattanooga was spectacular to me. Yeah, and um, I'm I'm not sure if you went at that time with Jerry and Jenny Reeves. No, um, ma'am. But nope. Jerry and Jenny uh, keep their boat. They live here in Charleston, but they keep their boat there at Joe Wheeler State Park and, uh, you know, spend the summer with the boat. And um, for the past few years, they've been back to kind of leading that flotilla up to towards Chattanooga from the rendezvous. So that's been a great experience for many. Definitely a popular side trip. Um, uh, also, I was saying we rented a slip for a month at Joe Wheeler. Uh, when we came back down the river from Chattanooga, we pulled back in at Joe Wheeler and we stayed a couple of nights because it was still within our month time frame. So it was free docking <laughs> at Joe Wheeler when we came back. So, but that is a side trip and the side trips uh, on the Great Loop are spectacular too. So study the side trips. I wanted to say for the new loopers who, you know, like Kay and I, when this idea was first even heard of in early 2000, People sometimes ask me, well, how do you start learning about the loop? Uh, certainly our rendezvous and what we do online now is good information, but the absolute best, what I call the 50,000 foot view of the loop is the Skipper Bob book. And I don't, I don't belong to Skipper Bob. He don't pay me anything for saying it. <laughs> there's, should, though, one, but... <laughs> there's one of the Skipper Bob books. The one I have was titled The Great Circle Route. It has now been retitled to The Great Loop, but it's about an 80-page book that gives you an overview of The Great Loop, the specifications for air height, draft, etc., that you would need for each route, and that's where I got my target time frame from also was out of The Great Loop, that uh, Skipper Bob book. Uh, I'll tell you another side story. Skipper Bob wrote a set of books, and uh, in spring of 08, Skipper Bob had passed away. But his wife, Elaine, still attended the rendezvous shortly after his death. And she happened to be at our table one evening at the rendezvous in Charleston, and she had cleaned things out of their boat and were giving away things that they had on their boat. She gave us their Canadian flag. And we had it embroidered with her and Skipper Bob's name on it. And we flew it in Canada. We tried to give it back to her when we got to Joe Wheeler and she wouldn't take it back. So we still have that. But the Skipper Bob book of the Great Loop or the Great Circle Route is absolutely the best overview to get your feet on the ground of doing this trip of any book I've seen. Yeah, and it, it's a great kind of introduction and answers yeah. a lot of those frequent questions. Um, and even though, um, sadly, um, Skipper Bob did pass away, I think that was 08. I think that's the date you had given. Um, those books are now kept up to date by the folks at Waterway Guide. So Ted Staley, who is also a gold looper, um, is one of the folks responsible for the Skipper Bob book. So it is being maintained. So just because he's passed away more than 10 years ago, um, any information that has changed is being updated, but honestly, I'm not sure too much changes in that kind of an overview <laughs> because it's really no, kind of giving you the basic um, of the Great Loop route. So 
your great your great loop was a little bit more than 10 years ago. Yep. Um, but you are still extremely active cruisers. As you said at the beginning, you typically uh, take the boat from your home in Southport to Fort Myers for the winter every year. So what is it about the cru cruising lifestyle that keeps you going back and forth in most years? And this year, of course, it is, is an exception. But, uh, you know, what is it that keeps you wanting to take sea life and, and do these extended cruises with her? Okay. She said she wants to do that. I'll start. Uh, mm -hmm. It's our time together. Yeah. We spend a lot of time during the summer months with our children and grandchildren. But to have and and I'm also looking warmer weather. But it's a, a, our time that we can have to ourselves or get a chance to visit again with people that we did the loop with or meet a lot of new people. Uh, and it's a, a new journey every day. You get a chance to see something new on the waterway. And uh, I enjoyed that. Mm -hmm. so we have we have done that trip. Uh, I think 19 round trips. I can't keep up with it. Uh, we love it just as much today as we did in 2000, the first time we ever did that trip south. Uh, we see th new things. We visit places. We find little out-of-the-way places that we hadn't been before. It's truly the trip, but then it's the extended family. It's the people that have chimed in while we've been here from Legacy who are you know, neighbors of Lewis and Diane down there that we've met along the way. And and nothing excites me more than to see those people again year after year. So it's the extended family. It's the trip. Uh, it's the little side places that we go to. Again, uh, you had kind of asked me what were some of my favorite stops from here, even to Fort Myers. And traditionally, it would be, you know, the Georgetown, Charleston, Beaufort, Savannah, but there's so many little places with character between all of those places. I've got to get with you for you to tell me where that oyster bar is that you keep talking about yeah. in Charleston. <laughs> I've not been there yet. So yeah, next time you're coming through, I will take you there myself. <laughs> it, it truly is our time on the boat. We love for visitors yeah. to travel with us. Now, my sister and her husband make that trip with us. We've had other friends make that trip with us. They have their own private area in the boat, which we appreciate having, being able to have that. But uh, it's a good getaway every year. Uh, and we miss it a lot this year. Yeah. And um, so we've got a few more comments. Um, Linda and Dave Olson are thankful uh, for you sharing this information. You're so, welcome, Linda and Dave. Um, and if anyone who is watching us on Facebook right now has any questions, we are happy to take those and answer them for you. Um, what other advice would you two give to someone who is kind of in the, the planning stages and still dreaming of one day doing the great loop? Anything we've overlooked that we should make sure we, we tell people? No, I think, I, I think I've hit most of those. Uh, get, get the overview book that I referred to. I think it'll give you a lot of good basic information. Uh, make a promise to your wife not to travel at night and she can go home anytime she wants to. Uh, and make it your journey. There's a lot out there that you're going to get a lot of information, but make it yours, your adventure. And don't over plan your trip. It's a trip that you truly do not have to make advanced plans for. I've met loopers who have 
everyday planned and every turn of the waterway already programmed into their GPS. Uh, it doesn't have to be that sophisticated. Make it a laid back journey. Uh, if you meet one, someone one evening that maybe your wife didn't get along with that well, let them leave the next day and you stay another day and they'll be down in the water somewhere. Don't, don't visit with them again. And there aren't many of those out there. They are few and far between, but uh, it, it's a relaxful, you know, I tell people, you remember if you've ever owned a boat, the first day that you took maybe a 20 or 25 mile trip on your boat. And for us, it might be from here to Wrightsville Beach or here to Wilmington. The loop is nothing but that, just doing it day after day. Uh, it's a new adventure. Look at your charts uh, the afternoon before you leave the next morning. Look at the weather that morning and then just have a, a pretty day. And if it's not going to be a pretty day, stay tied to the docks. Uh, you don't have to travel every day in order to make this trip. So mm -hmm. I really loved what Kay said about, you know, making it your own because particularly as technology Absolutely. changes and as lifestyles changes, as lifestyles change, we see so many different ways of doing this. Um, so I think that's really important that people make it their own and do it in a way that brings them joy, um, which is certainly what the two of you did. Um, I also was interested earlier on in the conversation, you mentioned that you didn't necessarily know when you got up in the morning whether you were going anywhere. And, and of course, that is largely weather dependent. But you also didn't know where you're, you were going. And I think Today, that's somewhat unusual for some people. And I think we're almost, you know, information overload. There's so much at our fingertips um, that everyone's doing a lot of research about what they're going to see and do along the way, which is important. Um, but how did you go about, you know, did you just decide when you were kind of getting ready to just tired, ready to stop for the day? Did you pick a place or, you know, how did you go about saying we're just going to leave today and we don't know where we're going to end up? Were you afraid you'd miss something? Usually, uh, on most of the days of the 154 that we traveled, uh, mm -hmm. we would get up and look at the weather and decide, okay, we're going to travel today. And somewhere around uh, 10 to 12 o'clock, I'd say, okay, let's uh, start looking at a place where we're going to stop this evening. Mm -hmm. And very rarely did I have to call more than one location. And, you know, it's going to be, sometimes it's going to be a dock with character when you end up there. It's not going to be the Hilton. It's going to be out in the woods or anchoring, uh, or, or anchoring right. which we honestly didn't do very much, mm -hmm. but it could be Kilkenny Creek where you're tying up to a two by four instead of a cleat. But uh, we didn't make uh, advance plans rarely. Uh, going into New York, we did, and we got up with John, and we stayed at Great Gill Yacht Club. Going into Chicago, we did in advance, and we stayed at the Sable Yacht Club. But I, I think the biggest – and going into Florida to the Keys, certainly. But uh, I think the biggest example, Kay and I did the Erie Canal. It was a flip of the coin, you know. Uh, do you do uh, Lake Champlain or the Erie Canal? And years before – I had drawn a highlighter line over the Erie Canal just because of the history of the Erie Canal. 
So we did the Erie and then the Oswego up to Oswego, New York, because we cut with our air height, we couldn't get under the low bridges all the way to Buffalo. So we were sitting at Oswego. They have free docks there, by the way. So we were tied up at the free docks. And I think there were three other looper boats at the free docks that evening. And the next morning, uh, we you can see the lake. You can see uh, out on the Lake Ontario from their free docks. We were looking out on the lake, and we decided it was an okay day to travel after looking at the weather. And the four of us left out of the last lock, and the three boats were headed a little bit north, and the wind was out of the southwest, so it was a little more comfortable going to the northeast that day out on the lake. And two people had told me in the last five years before doing this trip that I should go to Clayton, New York and see the Wooden Boat Show, the Wooden Boat Museum at Clayton, New York. Well, these other three boats weren't. They were headed to Kingston, Ontario. And Kay and I said, well, we're going to make the easy travel day and go a little northeast and go to Clayton and Alex Bay. And we stayed at Clayton for two weeks. It was (laughs) unbelievable. And then we went up to the Bolt Castle and took – we went there twice. Uh, we went by tour boat one time and then on airboat one time. But it was that kind of decision each day. Uh, you're not going to see everything along the way. We did it in one year, so lots of people see more of it than we did. You're not going to see everything, but slow down and enjoy the things that you do see. And in every location, you can find something of interest uh, that'll just hold you there. Uh, Clayton did for us. We enjoyed Clayton, New York, and Alex Bay. Uh, On the C&D Canal, I I tell about these little places I've never heard of before. Uh, You got him started. (laughs) The C&D Canal, there's a little town called Chesapeake. And I happened to be walking around the back of the lake and there was a Corps of Engineers station with a museum there. And they had a steam engine in that museum that pumped water into the CND canal when it used to have locks at each end. And it was the oldest steam engine still on its original foundation in North America. Kay had to drag me out of that place when they were closing at five o'clock. There's places like that all along the way that unless you get out and look, you won't find them because they're not in the book. Right. Yeah. So we have about five minutes left. So if anybody who's watching has questions that they haven't typed in yet, go ahead and do that um, because I have promised to let Robert and Kay go by six. Um, And they thought we'd have trouble filling an hour of conversation. Yeah, I know. Well, I know Robert better than that. <laughs> Kay and I enjoy what we do. And one of the one of the preface questions that you had given me is uh, why we enjoy going back and uh, to the rendezvous and staying involved. It is so great to sit down when we do Joe Wheeler or, or Norfolk and it's a round table of eight and to see people across the table who the light switch goes on and they realize that the average person really can do this trip. It is dual. I'm not an old salt. Uh, there's very few of us who do the loop who are old salts. 
But let me tell you that when you're on the loop, the other loopers are absolutely your best resource out there. There's going to be mechanics. There's going to be electricians. There's going to be doctors. There's going to be bankers. There's going to be trip planners. There's going to be everything in the world, other loopers out there doing the loop. And they're your cheapest and best resource on the great loop. So make friends with others and don't mind tapping into their brains. We love for you to stop in Southport. We do have a front porch. Uh, We enjoy it. And uh, as you travel north from Florida, if you are in Florida now, please plan a stop in Southport. Southport Marina was destroyed during the hurricane in August. We hope to have the transit dock, it's about a block from our house, back up and running in either April or May next month or month after next. uh, The transit dock hopes to be available for you. If not, there are four other marinas close by. So plan a stop in Southport, please. Yes, absolutely do that. AGLCA couldn't exist without gold loopers who continue to give back to the loopers coming behind them and to supporting the association. And and there's probably no gold looper that has really done more for AGLCA over the year than the Creeches. So um, there's lots who have done lots. Don't get me wrong. um, But Kay and Robert, and I enumerated some of the ways in in the beginning of this conversation. So, um, you know, any last thoughts, Robert and Kay, um, you know, if, if there's anybody out there who has not yet joined AGLCA, and we know there are many, <laughs> um, you know, but what is it that makes AGLCA special? Why should loopers uh, be part of the organization? Uh, one of your statements that you had sent me early is, uh, you know, what did we get from doing the loop? Mm-hmm. It's a lifestyle. It, it It's other people. It's the people we've met. It's the things we've gotten to do. It's the enjoyment of giving back. That couple that allowed us to cruise with them in 2000 before we ever had a boat, I'm still paying them back. And it it encourages me. One of those is no longer with us. Miffy died. It was Charlie and Miffy Williams. And Miffy passed away last year. But they allowed us to cruise on their boat and they shared with us and we're still paying it forward and I can't ever pay them back enough. But it's the enjoyment that I get out of meeting the people that we have met along the way. And I will be there if I hate dearly that we can't be in Norfolk this year or we couldn't be at the Looper Palooza down in Fort Myers. And I surely hope that I can see many of your faces at Joe Wheeler in the fall. We are very hopeful, um, and we are starting to get lots of questions about Joe Wheeler. Um, it is scheduled for October 18th through 21st. Um, you know, as far as we can tell at this point, um, we are hopeful that we can go ahead and have that in person. Um, but of course, that remains to be seen. So it, like so much in this COVID era, is uh, still somewhat tentative. Thanks, Alex. Um, yep, and there's Alex. Hey, Alex. Um, so yeah, but hopefully, um, hopefully we'll see the creatures and many of you at uh, Joe Wheeler State Park, which is the site of our fall rendezvous in mid-October. Um, until then, if you'd like more information about AGLCA, greatloop.org is our website. 
and you can find out lots more about the Great Loop and about the benefits of membership there. So until we see you all, um, Robert and Kay Creech, thank you so much. I, I love hearing your uh, stock tales, your stories of the Loop anytime, but this was especially a lot of fun for me. So thanks for joining us and uh, thanks for everyone who watched. Thanks for thanks. coming to our home this evening. Yes. We appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Have a, a good evening, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.